Welcome to a D&D Candle Lab. D&D 5e Character Lab Podcast with your hosts, Karen and Dan. As my little daughter said, welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week, we are bringing a brand new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content, and scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the lab. Dan here. And I'm Garen. And this week, our objective was simple. Create level 15 characters that are the ultimate mounted combatants. Simple as that. No content was off limits. So I'm excited to see what you've conjured up, Garen. Likewise, Dan, this was a lot of fun to build, and before we get started, if you are a new listener, I want to take a moment to discuss how our show works. We are scoring these brand new characters against nine criteria, melee damage, range damage, magic damage, control in and out of the battlefield, tankiness, or how well the character can take a hit, ally assist, what abilities they have that can help their fellow party members, overall balance, how optimized the character is, and the smooth operator and spitting fire sections where we have a role-playing scenario and we must determine how the PC would handle it in a smooth and aggressive manner. These categories often use the charisma-based skills and can also use spells, background features, or whatever else we can think of. Now, each of us will get a challenge role where we can make the other person earn the score that they're arguing for. The role will use the charisma modifier for the persuasion check. The various scores have different DC, and if the person meets or exceeds the score, it is achieved. If they fail, they must take the score below that which they're arguing for now that we've confused the hell out of you with that paragraph dan will introduce you to his pretty pony well thank you garen for acquainting our new listeners and yes this week i have a wanty pureblood named kerwin he is a blaze major which is the second highest rank that one can achieve in the flaming fist on the on the island of chult They act as guards of Fort Bellowarian and the jungle at large. They enforce the use of a charter as a rite of passage into the jungle, and those whom are caught without a charter are often seen as charcoal briquettes in their lively barbecues. So this week I have created a level 15 Wanty Pureblood Fighter Cavalier of the Knight of the Order background, and he is accompanied by a steed that is featured in none other than Jemay Jr.'s Horde of Horses, an original supplement created by none other than Garen Jones from the D&D Character Lab. This steed is named the Inferno Charger. It is a large beast, and I'll go over the stats in a little bit, but it is a fire-themed steed. Very nice. Whoever made that is pretty talented. I am bringing in a Yeti. That's right, a Yeti. This is out of Monstrous Races by Tyler Kamstra. Anjay was a young Yeti practicing his druidic arts in the tundra when suddenly a portal to the plane of fire opened up and a triceratops stumbled out. With a simple spell, Anjay was able to communicate with the dinosaur that called himself Ducky. Ducky spoke of his grand adventures in Chult and how he's the MVP of his party of humanoids until some red wizards tried to quad fireball him and his Ankylosaurus friend in a surprise attack that seemed totally unjustified and possibly a little metagamey. Regardless, the wizard spells crossed, and like the end of Ghostbusters, instead of dealing damage, they were thrown through time and space. And so a bond was formed, and mad adventures were had in the tundra between Anjay, a level 15 druid circle of the Beast Rider class from Mage Hand Press's Tundra supplement, 
and Ducky the Triceratops. Very nice. Incorporates a little bit of a few elements from our home game, so I do appreciate that. But Garen, what the hell is that smell? I think my horse needs a bath. Oh, no, wait. That's just the sweet fig farmhouse scent from Cantrip Candles. After all, they're the purveyors of 100% soy-based candles that are specifically designed to accompany your tabletop adventures in games like D&D and Pathfinder. They have a great selection of scents that smell like different locations in a fantasy world, such as musty taverns, libraries of arcane texts, or the one we just lit up, Sweet Fig Farmhouse. I can't think of a better candle to accompany us on our wild episode with its vibrant, floral, and tart notes of citrus, fig, and berry. You hear that, Garen? My horse's tummy is growling just smelling it. But to be honest, you can find a scent for any of your adventure settings in their sampler pack, which offer nine of their scents for a real steal. Once you decide you want to go and buy every single one of their scents, we're happy to announce that you now can, and the lab will help cover some of the costs. When you use the code LABRAT, that's L-A-B-R-A-T, at checkout, you can receive 10% off of your total purchase. So be sure to check them out. That's Cantrip Candles, and if you don't know how to spell Cantrip, you really shouldn't be playing D&D. You should be going to school. Thank you, Dan and Cantrip Candles, for that message, even though Dan hinted at the fact that your candles smell like dirty horse. (laughs) (laughs) But I think I will take the lead and charge my mount into the melee category. Now, Anjay uses unarmed attacks. He is proficient with his claws, but he is also proficient with a quarterstaff. When he casts Shillelagh on it, it's got a plus 10 to hit. It does 1d8 plus 5 damage. And Ducky the Triceratops, he's got that trampling charge. He's got a 3d10 stomp attack and a 3d8 gore attack. Manzies. Right off the bat, here's here's where I'm going on this. My druid can shapeshift, obviously, but we've been down that road so many times on this show. When you take the Circle of Beast Riders from Mage Hand Press, your mount gets the shapeshift. So Ducky not only has that damage, he can shapeshift into a giant shark and get 3d10 plus 6 on a bite attack. He could be a giant scorpion, he could be a giant crocodile and get that automatic grapple on attack. All those things considered, I am arguing a plus 2. And you're worthy of that plus two, Garen, but I think this is going to be a strong category for you. So I'm going to go ahead and impose that challenge roll and make you persuade me for that that plus two. You idiot. I got so much more coming. I got nothing on my charisma for this episode, so I'm going to get that nat 17 right now. Yep, that's right. The DC is 17 for a plus two. 18. All right, so you'll take the plus two. Nice roll. Now, here I'm arguing a plus two as well. So I have three attacks. I also have Action Surge. I also took the Charger Feet, which gives me plus 5 on a charging attack. Also have a Great Sword, which has a plus 10 to hit, 2d6 plus 5 slashing damage. I also have a Lance, which deals out, uh, it's a plus 10 to hit, 1d12 plus 5 piercing damage. I also have Great Weapon Fighting, which allows me to re-roll a 1 or a 2 on a damage die. And then, of course, my Steed is has the trait of Hoof Ignition, which is a melee attack with a plus 6 to hit, reach of 5 feet, That offers up 2d6 plus 4 bludgeoning damage and an additional 1d6 fire damage. Now, whether or not this attack hits, roll that 1d6. An odd number, Hoof Ignition starts a fire in a 5-foot square where the target is standing. The fire burns for a minute, and any creature that enters it starts to take 1d6 fire damage. So, all of that considered, there's a lot going on there. Very worthy of a plus 2. That was the listiest melee category I think we've ever had. Yeah, well, that's a level 15 fighter for you. Well, let's go right off the bat, back to back. Give me your roll. Can you get that plus two? 
Okay, so I have a plus two to charisma. DC 17. I need a 15 or better. Nat 20. Ha! Oh. Plus three. That's right, listeners. Uh. When a 20 is rolled or a natural one, a plus three and a negative three, respectively, are awarded. And that is the only way that a plus three or negative three can be achieved. Damn. This but, got real. to be fair, if ever a plus three were worthy, that was plus three worthy. I don't know. Ducky's bringing some serious game. <laughs> Moving into ranged, I'm arguing a negative one here. I have a crossbow, plus five to hit, 1d8 piercing damage. That's all she wrote. Okay. I'm also arguing, I guess, a negative one. I got a sling, but it's a plus seven to hit. It's a 1d6 plus two because okay. it's a Yeti sling, and I'm using the magic stone cantrip to make rocks 1d6 damage. So I think that's also worthy of a minus one. Yeah, better I than nothing. I could have pushed it to a zero, maybe. No, it's better than nothing, and it's absolutely not better than a crossbow. So what do you have for burninating or the magic damage that you deal out? Well, first of all, I've got Frostbite and Primal Savagery, two cantrips. When they're bumped up to 15th level, I'm dealing 3d6 on the Frostbite, 3d10 on the Primal Savagery. I have also got Icicle Javelin. It's a ranged spell attack, deals 3d8 cold damage. If the target is close to a wall or a similar large immobile object, it could be pinned there. At the beginning of its turn, it must succeed on a strength save. On a fail, it has its speed reduced to zero till the end of its turn. That is a pretty fun little extra feature there. Wow, that's cool. I like that. I've also got Freezing Touch. This is a level seven spell. You touch a creature and freeze it in place. It's a melee spell attack. On hit target takes 8d8 cold damage and is restrained. At the end of each of its turns, it must make a con save. If it fails three times, it is turned to ice and subjected to the petrified condition for one minute, which is the concentration limit of this spell. If it succeeds three times, it is free from that negative effect, in it, but it still takes the 8d8 cold damage. Pretty badass. And let me wrap it up with the Winter Flower. This is a six-level evocation where you create a tiny little white flower. It has an AC of 15 with three hit points and vulnerability to fire damage. You can use a bonus action to command it to explode, or it'll explode if it's brought to zero hit points. When it does, every creature within 30 feet must succeed on the deck save. On fail, they take 10d8 cold damage, half as much on success. Come on now, give me that what, plus two. Now here's the thing, I totally agree that this is plus two worthy, but we do have to consider that final spell that you mentioned, the exploding flower, when it comes to ally assist, because it can definitely backfire on your friends. 10d8 is a lot. Yeah, and now, anybody within 30 feet, I understand you can tell it to detonate, but if that thing reaches zero hit points, it's exploding anyway. So I right. think that we just need to consider that when it comes to ally assist. That's all I ask. Whoop. I do think that this is extremely worthy of a plus two, though. I'll tell you this. We're going to be considering this spell for the rest of the episode. You just wait and see. I'm arguing here a plus one. So I definitely cheated. I have a wand of fireballs. It has seven charges. While holding it, you can, use a, <laughs> you can cast Fireball at the third level. And if you expend more than one charge, you could do it at fourth level, fifth level, maybe even sixth level. The wand regains 1d6 plus one expended charges daily at dawn. If you, if you expend the wand's last charge, roll a d20, and on a one, the wand crumbles into ashes and is destroyed. So I think that's actually kind of cool. He's part of the Flaming Fist. He's level 15. He definitely has a wand of Fireballs. I'm going to go plus one. I'm going to say you get a minus one because that's not an interesting magic item. You at least could have found something real sexy for us with fire. How about a zero? Meet you in the middle because this deals out a shitload of damage. 86 fire damage and then I can bring don't, it up Don't to sell it to me. You just picked it out of the ether. It's not like you had to make it. No, I didn't make it. 
I'll give you your zero. That goddamn thing ever shows up again. It won't. Now, I'm already gonna plus two in control. I have unwavering mark at third level. I can menace my foes, foiling their attacks and punishing them for harming others. When I hit a creature with a melee attack, I can mark the creature until the end of the next turn. And this effect ends early if you're incapacitated or die or if someone else marks the creature. Now, while the combatant is in within five feet of me, the creature is marked and has disadvantage on an attack roll that doesn't target me. In addition, if a creature marked by me deals damage to any other than me i can make a special melee weapon attack against the mark creature as a bonus action on my next turn that's a lot of damage because i already attacked three times you have advantage on the attack roll and if it hits the attack's weapon deals extra damage to the target equal to half of your fighter level which in this case if you want to round up would be eight regardless of the number of creatures you mark you can make this special attack a number of times equal to your strength modifier which in this case is five and regain all expended uses of it when you finish a long rest super controlling oh yeah mounted combatant feet this is a no-brainer. I have advantage on all melee attack rolls against any unmounted creature that is smaller than my mount. I also can force an attack targeted at my mount to target me instead. I also have mm. an ability called Hold the Line, similar to the Sentinel feat. Creatures provoke an opportunity attack when they move five feet or more while within my reach. And if I hit a creature with an opportunity attack, the target speed is reduced to zero until the end of the current turn. And then, of course, I have Ferocious Charger. If I move at least 10 feet in a straight line before attacking a creature and you hit it with the attack, the target must succeed on a strength saving throw or be knocked prone. You can use this feature once per turn. Now, that's a crap load of control. And let me tell you what the, what the saving throw is. The, the saving throw against that Ferocious Charger is 8 plus my proficiency bonus, which is 5, plus my strength modifier, which is 5. You'd have to get an 18 not to be knocked prone. And I can That's do that great. every single turn. Just charging around, knocking everybody on their ass? Yeah. And then everybody Chaos. gets advantage on attacks while they're prone. It's great. Man, I haven't heard you this excited to play a fighter in a while. Uh, I love fighters. And, and normally I think the Cavalier is really boring, but it really comes true to form when you reach these advanced levels. I, I get excited about the Cavalier here at 15th level, no doubt. Hell yeah. Okay, I can't really argue with that because I like the control features of the Cavalier. I've always liked this class. So you put it out there real nice and you had a pretty thick list. I give you your plus two. I'm also pushing for a plus two. I have got climb speed of 30 feet as a Yeti. <laughs> I also have, that's not the end of my list. Hold on. I also have the level four spell watery sphere where you can encase somebody inside a watery sphere and basically imprison them. Very cool. As a as a Yeti, I also have Chilling Gaze. As an action, you target a creature you can see within 30 feet. The target must be able to see you and make a con save, or it takes 1d8 cold damage and have its speed reduced by 10 feet until the start of your next turn. That is actually a feature of the Yeti. Another thing, Tyler, bringing it into the PC, which is nice. I also have Mounted Casting for my subclass. Mount attacks are magical. Additionally, when I cast a spell that affects me, it also affects my mount. So range of touch would do that which is going to come in handy in a little while and i've got another spell here called ice claw prison third level spell where you create a large clawed hand out of the ground it has an ac of 18 and hit points equal to half of your hit point maximum you know what that is right now dan 75 wow so while this thing is around i can use a bonus action to make it slash or imprison a creature where it basically grabs them and they have to succeed on a strength save or they're restrained that is ultimate control. I can also make it release on my command as well. So all those things considered, I'm also pushing for that plus two. Now, you have a lot of great control. I will argue, though, 
that it is a plus one instead of a plus two only because I didn't have any spells. A lot of what I'm able to do is able to be done either every single turn or a whole heck of a lot. So I think I eke you out in control just for that fact alone, but I think you're worthy of a plus one. Good argument. All right. Well, let me take it into tankiness. I have got a 150 hit points, AC of 16. Obviously, I got the wild shape. Ducky's got the wild shape. Ducky has got 95 hit points with an AC of 13. I also have cold resistance as being a Yeti. I have frost male armor. Yet again, a fantastic spell. You touch a creature and its AC becomes 14 plus dex. Whenever a creature hits the target with a melee attack, that attacker takes 1d4 cold damage. Duration, 8 hours. Oh. And I've got Snowflake Shield, which is a spell that you cast, which creates a glittering shield that just floats around you, made of ice, and it gives you the bonuses of having a shield equipped. All those things considered, I'm going plus two again, man. Plus two is all day up in here. Yeah, so I think you're going to eke me out here. I had plus two written down, and while I have more HP and a higher AC than you do at 180 HP and an AC of 16, and I have second wind, my mount, unfortunately, is my weakness. So has an AC of 13 with only 27 hit points, or you could say 4d10 plus 3, whatever is higher. Unfortunately, that is the weak point, but I took that into consideration here. Also with that mounted combatant feat, if your mount is subjected to an effect that allows it to make a dexterity saving throw to take only half damage, it takes no damage if it succeeds on the saving throw or only half if it fails. That's, that's really nice. That's huge. And then of course, as I mentioned before, I can force an attack targeted at my mount to come to me instead. If I notice that my mount is not doing well, I'm directing everything to me. Because I can take a hit. No, that's I also good. Have... That's really good. And that, that gives you a little bit of a, a bonus too. And I also have this thing called Warding Maneuver. This is a really, really powerful feature of the Cavalier. So if you or a creature you can see within five feet of you is hit by an attack, you can roll 1d8 as a reaction if you're wielding a melee weapon or a shield. Roll the die and add the number rolled to the target's AC against that attack. If the attack still hits the target has resistance against that attacks damage you can use this feature a number of times equal to your constitution modifier which for me here is two per long rest you can add a potentially eight to either my own or my steeds ac or anybody in my party and then of course i have indomitable which allows me to re-roll a saving throw that i fail but you have to take that new roll and i'm able to do that twice per long rest and then my steed has a little bit of a cool feature called blazing hide which any creature that touches the Inferno Charger without heat protection, including grapple attempts, takes 1d4 fire damage every round while maintaining contact. So that's a nice little warning to those that want to pet my pony. That's another really brilliant piece from a talented guy with tight abs. So you're arguing a plus one? Yeah, I think you eke me out in, in tankiness, but I think I, I have respectable tankiness here. So I think a this plus one. This is a close one. one. We are back and forth right now, so... I will give you that. What is your ally assist looking like? So argue a minus one, and I'm going to double dip here. I'm going to argue that warding maneuver, adding that 1d8 to the AC, being able to use that twice per long rest is better than nothing. But other than that, I don't help my friends a whole heck of a lot. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I see what you're saying with that. And of course, you're going to be looking out for your steed, number one, but he is your ultimate ally. So I can take that. Before I tell you the reasons that I'm going big on ally assist, viewers... How are you viewing us? Listeners, listen up. You can support the show, and we would love it if you did. 
If you become a Patreon donor at $1 or go all the way up to 20, we have all sorts of great stuff for you to check out. Please head over to patreon.com and look at what we're offering. We are creating new material in our Discord. We're just chatting, having a good time, having fan lab battles. We just had another one. We also have supplements on DMs Guild for just a buck. Search Garen Jones and you can see all the great stuff we have to offer. We have those ability score shirts with the maximum minimum values for each ability score. All of this is in our show notes too. So please, while you're listening, just tap that. Look at those links for a moment. I know it's really hard to click a link, especially when you're all comfortable looking at whatever screen you're looking at. But give us a go. You know you want to tap just that. Just tap, tap it. Anything you guys do helps support the show and helps us get better. Thank you so much. I don't know about now. that. <laughs> <laughs> but we definitely can expand and more people can listen to the foolish shit we do. Now, so Dan, yes, I'll, I'll acknowledge winter flower could be dangerous. But Anjay does have that healing spirit. So if they do get hit by that winter flower, they can dip over the healing spirit, get a little bit of healing. He also has resistance, which he can grant to an ally. And did you know about the spell Animal Shapes? Because honestly, I did not. I don't know it. This is an 8th level spell, and it allows you to basically wild shape several party members into beasts. CR 3 or below. Pretty great. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, 8th level, so it's got a huge commitment there, but that's like offering a free wild shape to all of your friends. Super tanky. So, those things considered, I am arguing a plus 1. I think you're going to take a 0, take that minus 1 penalty because of that flower i I think we really do need to take that into consideration that's fair but unfortunately for you i have made a very optimized druid this week with my strength of 12 dex of 14 con of 14 intelligence of 8 i'm a yeti who cares wisdom of 20 (laughs) charisma of 11 i am proficient in athletic survival animal handling perception passive perception of 20 give me that plus two yeah definitely it's an optimized character Unfortunately, I also made an optimized character. This is a balanced, powerful, LeBron James-era cavalier. (laughs) Okay? I've got a strength of 20, dex of 10, con of 14, intelligence of 13, wisdom of 10, charisma of 15. I've got proficiency in animal handling, athletics, performance, and persuasion. Strength and con are my saving throws. Passive perception of 10, AC of 16, as mentioned before. I also have immunity to poison as a Wanty pureblood. And as mentioned, I got plus 10 on the greatsword and lance attacks, which means that I'm rarely going to be missing at that. Good for you. I'll give you that plus two. We totally defied the end of the show when we say it doesn't have to be optimized. Because listen, folks, if it's optimized, listen how great those numbers sound. <laughs> now, moving into the smooth operator scenario for this week, some jackass named Dan Beal wrote this week's uh, scenario, and it reads, you're riding along and fall into one of the signature traps of the rogue in town. After a struggle, you and your mount manage to escape the trap. The next day, you see the rogue at the market in town looking at the different kumquats, you know, and checking out their ripeness and whatnot. What do you do? So I would use my plus five to animal handling to walk through the town and uh, have it just like slightly bump into her and his hide would just kind of just like rest against her and she would feel this burning sensation right on her rear end because it's touching her and she'd take 1d4 fire damage i would think that that touching the hide for a little bit of period of time might start her clothes on fire at least make them smoke and then i would just carry along and just keep walking and say oh sorry ma'am it's not really doing anything other than just burning her butt but i think that it it would feel good so i know that that isn't the I know that's not the greatest argument, and I'm arguing a minus one. I think it's pretty good for minus one. That is very much worthy of a minus one. And it's, so, it's petty as fuck. No, but you know what? I like what you did here is you kind of had the same thought as me, where it's like, 
you fell into this trap and you got out so it's like eh, i mean you're fine you know so how pissed off are you really yeah i thought that and then i went a little too far in my argument so here's what i do I walk up and I say, I see you're buying these kumquats. You know, these can spoil pretty quickly. And I have a spell called Refrigerate, which is another spell out of the Mage Hand Presses Tundra. And I can refrigerate these for you. It's something I do on the side to make a little extra cash. I was like, go ahead, get all the fruits or whatever, you, fruits and veggies you want. Meet me back here. We'll head back to your place. I'll refrigerate all this shit for you in a box. One gold. No big deal. While she's doing that, I buy a very small pot. We head back to her place, I find a suitable box, and I do exactly what I said I would. And as I'm doing that, I finish, and then I put a little winter flower in the pot, and I put it on her windowsill, and I say, have a very nice day, ma'am. And then I walk out the door, and I detonate the flower. <laughs> it is kind of smooth, though. It's pretty smooth. It's a smooth I mean, way yeah. It's a smooth way to fucking kill her. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I also appreciate that you used refrigerate, and you are a yeti. Because it's a Yeti cooler. Plus two for that. All right. I'll take that. So how do you handle this aggressively? I don't know if it gets much more aggressive than what you just said. Because that's 8d10 damage. It does. A little bit. I <laughs> cast Ice Claw Prison on her. Oh, restraining God. her. And then I walk up and just start squishing the shit out of every single kumquat. I'm making mad eye contact while I do this. I squish these kumquats until there's kumquat juice all over the ground. Then I take her purse, I pay for all the kumquats I squashed, and then I place a winter flower on her forehead. I walk away and detonate it. <laughs> well, it's a little bit recycled, so whatever you're arguing, I'm going to minus one of it just because it's a little recycled. So I get a one? Yeah. Sweet. I'm also arguing a one here, so I think this argument is substantially better than my previous. I would go to the essential oils vendor at the market, and I would get the shiniest oil I could get my hands on. I'd just lather oh, it. so shiny. I, I'd just lather it on my steed. And then I would approach the rogue and greet her with my steed behind me. And I would just catch the sunlight just right off the horse's already brilliant coat. And I think at this point... Yeah, exactly. I think at this <laughs> point it would require a wisdom saving throw on her part not to pet my horse. That's how brilliant this shit is. Oh, a, yeah. Don't pet that horse. On a fail, she'll pet my horse, get oil on her hands, and she'll get burned by his hide, and her hand will just ignite in flames from the oil. She'll startle the horse, and she'll cause it to hoof ignition attack her. And then I would act outraged with my plus seven performance and accuse her loudly of hitting my horse and provoking it. And then I'd also accuse her of stealing shit from the market which she probably had been because rogue, and she would then be taken away in handcuffs on her third-degree burned hands. What do you think? That's pretty savage. Yes. Yeah. Plus one. I'll give you that plus one. Moving into X-Factor, would you play your Yeti mounted on a Triceratops? Oh, hell yes. I love this subclass. And being a Yeti on a Triceratops, I mean, even without any of the abilities, that's the kind of character I want to be playing. That's cool as hell. I also yeah. like the idea of an Arctic Triceratops. I would have liked... A woolly mammoth a little bit more but i'll settle for the triceratops any day well once i saw i could go up to cr5 i was like where does that take me because a mammoth is a cr4 and i was like give me something in a five i saw triceratops and i had to bring ducky back i missed him from our home game would you oh, play your your snake hell boy yeah. hell yeah there hasn't been a cavalier this badass since lebron james let's face it this dude paired with his badass horse would be unstoppable and who does not want to play a member of the flaming fist Come on. Oh, yeah. I think this would be a hell of a lot of fun. 
Also, it's a good it's, way to use the Wanty Pureblood race, which essentially has no use because they're just lawful evil. No, absolutely. I like that you where you worked him in. This is a because an evil race doesn't always have to be evil. There's different, you know, of every single one. So what you've done here is you've taken a guy who has kind of found his own way in the world, and I love that. Good for you on that one. Well, drum roll. Who took the episode, Garen? I have won this episode 11 to 6. I crushed you with my druid, but druids are really hard to beat in the lab. I think we've seen that. Yeah, and also this is this is one formidable build that you made here and I'm uh if I'm going to get beat I would love to get beat by a Yeti mounted on a Triceratops. I don't think your guy is going to make the Mount Rushmore of the lab's best character creations. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's hilarious, truly. Good content. And you know what else is good content? Jamae Jr.'s Horde of Horses and other exotic mounts that are also for sale. Dan used it in the episode today. It only costs a buck. It's 27 pages of content. All sorts of mounts that you can use. Mounted feats. Items. Check it out if you like. Uh, we had a lot of fun making it. Also, please check out our bonus episodes. If you want to become a patron at $5 and up, we got some great content for you to hear, including a fight against one of our Monster Lab creations that we made in the Monster Lab. Our level 30 character took on a god. All sorts of weird shit is happening in the Fight Club and Monster Lab. So thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. Dan, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, and that about wraps things up for us this week, Lab Rats. Remember, when it comes to character creation, it doesn't have to be optimized. But when it is, it's so much better. Have a great week. <laughs> this has been a production of the D&D Character Lab Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DND Character Lab. Or shoot us an email at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com. Most importantly... Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. Now watch me whip, whip. Now watch me shillelagh. Thorn whip, thorn whip, shillelagh. <laughs> yes, that's a druid song. <laughs>